the countdowns and everything. We'll be a couple of minutes early. You guys can talk, you know, you don't have to. You know. okay. Just because we're starting down doesn't mean you have to. There's no <laughs> nine, five, three, four, three, two, one, and then there's this great rocket uh, launch. <laughs> it, just, it just is. It just goes. How you doing, Ann? Uh, I'm, I'm a little sleepy. I was feeling nauseated, so I took this stuff from my stomach, and that's making me feel sleepy. So if I fall asleep, don't take it personally. Was the uh, stuff Jack Daniels or something, or what? <laughs> No, no, it was it was it was it was bona fide stomach medicine, but it seems to have made me sleepy. Oh, okay, good. I uh, okay, we got Chad, Doctor David Paradin. We got fifteen viewers already. Wonderful. Um, dang it, hang on. Go ahead, talk, hang on. I'll be back in a second. I got it. There it is. Never mind. I found it. So I had my notes here. Uh, but yeah, it looks like uh, we got everybody from Wisconsin except Chad. He thinks he's better than us. <laughs> Well, I'm going to Wisconsin on uh, Thursday. Does that uh, make me part of the club? No, no, it absolutely does not. No, you have to be brought up in Wisconsin to truly understand. And I know everybody says that about their state, but it's uh, you don't realize how weird it is until you leave it and you start looking back and you're like, oh, yeah, that is kind of fucked up, isn't it? Yeah, it is kind of weird. And, um, and then you start, not that you loathe it, but then you're ashamed to admit that you're from there. Yeah. Well, Clary, what what if uh, my old uh, schnook pumpkins went to college there? Do I at least get extra credit for that? I don't know if we let you out of the box of shame for dating her as long as you have. I think you need some more penitence or penance or something. You you must you must uh, you must do several hail marys and full of grace. Um, no, uh, which Madison, of course, right? She went to Madison. Yeah, Madison. Okay. Yeah. Okay, that doesn't surprise me because she was a communist wreck. Uh, yeah, by the way, where I, I went there too. Where they <laughs> built Baskin Hall uh, by leveling uh, Indian Mound. So yeah, yeah. Can Actually, I tell you all a quick uh, funny story? <laughs> she told me one time um, that she was with friends in undergrad, and they were driving around during her senior year. And she asked one of them, "Hey, what's that big amphitheater over there? I've never seen it before." <laughs> and the response was, "That's the football stadium." <laughs> amphitheater. <laughs> Holy shit. Wait, was she going to school? Like, she, this was in the first day? Yeah, that's, uh, no, this was her yeah. last year. Her la- Okay, she had been there three years and change, and she never saw the football stadium? Yeah. Or never went to a game was what I was guessing. <laughs> Plus, it's been a, you know, it's a historical landmark. It's been there since 1860, what, three as a military training ground. But, yeah, Wait, okay. The old, the old one or the ones where the Badgers play? Well, the yeah. Badgers play Aaron. Same, same deal. Can't you know that, Christ? You grew up in Wisconsin. I didn't go to Madison. I zip past it on Interstate. What? Look, look. Unless you have a reason to go to Madison, you bypass it. Everybody knows this, though. <laughs> no, you, wait, wait, wait. Okay, I watched the Badger game on the TV, not by choice, but because it's there and it's what's shoved in front of my face at the sports bar. And there's like this. It seats what sixty, seventy thousand people. It seats eighty one thousand people. All right, so back in the 1800s, they built an amphitheater that seated 80,000 people, or did they build upon, like Soldier Field, where they built upon the original structure? They built upon the original structure, but I'm saying the history is that that site was used for training in the Civil War, and and also there was a Confederate uh, prison there. So, I mean, you would have heard about this probably. You know, they mentioned it during shows. 
Oh, but yeah, this priest is uh, supposes I'm watching the game or the pre pre post pre pre post game. We always show, talk right? about the soldier that got shot in the nuts by accident. That uh, always every episode. On what? On your podcast? No, on, on the Badgers. But okay, like, again, this assumes I'm watching sports ball. <laughs> so if you if you have no interest in the Badgers or or sports ball at all, you'd have to like. It's kind of forgivable. I knew there was a stadium at UW Madison. Oh I saw it on the God. television. Well, you sound not... like you're defending her. No, no, hang on, hang on. You're the one that did. Let's think this I through. I got a let's... postcard. I'll mail it to you. Let's think this through. All right. Chad Elkins dated a girl. This is how smart she is. Who went yeah. to the college for three and a half years and finally noticed this massive structure that seats 80,000 people. Right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely crazy. Yeah, considering, you know, they've been dominant in football, you know, here for 20 years. So, yeah, no, they yeah. are pretty good. That, that that much is true. I remember one time what ends up happening. Um, I don't know if this happened to you, Chad, because you went, you went to school, what? Uh, I know you went Notre Dame for your MBA, but where did you go undergrad? West Virginia or something? No, University of Virginia. They have a shitty football team. So. Okay, all right. Well, what ended up happening is uh, because of reciprocity rules and laws between Wisconsin and Minnesota, pretty much each state would just swap each other's kids when they graduated from high school because everyone wanted to get out of Minnesota, they'd go to Wisconsin. Everyone wanted to get out of Wisconsin, they'd go to Minnesota. And I don't know what the experience is going to UW-Madison or Eau Claire or Stout or wherever you happen to go, but I do know the experience when you went to the University of Minnesota you would realize the architecture suck. Minnesotans are backstabbing, passive-aggressive assholes that all need to be drowned in the Mississippi River or St. Croix, your pick. We'll grind up that. Um, and you have absolutely no school pride whatsoever in college. Because you're thinking like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go cheer for the team. If there was ever a chance that Cappy would have gone and watched a game, it would have been, you know, first couple of months of my freshman year. You got homecoming and all this. And then when you realize like, wow, uh, this state and this, especially this city really sucks and the people are a bunch of assholes. Uh, everyone in Wisconsin turns on Minnesota. So I remember very clearly there was a border battle. I think, what what do we fight over? The axe, is that what it is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Paul Bunyan's axe. We fight over <laughs> Paul Bunyan's axe. And so uh, the Badgers came to Minnesota. And just to show you what a lack of school pride the Gophers have, is we're taking the buses and even the kids who are University of Minnesota students, keep in mind, this is like two months into the deal. Uh, it's a, just a sea of red and white. There's no maroon and gold, just badger colors. As far as the eye can see, you get into the, what was then the Metrodome and it's right. just a sea of red and white. Uh, the badgers win the, the towing costs. Gophers kick off and the badgers proceed to do a 99 yard field goal return. And, it, the place went nuts. And I'm like, yep, there is no reason to even have any pride or get involved in the sports or have school spirit. I'll just buckle down and get my degree and get the hell out of here. I have thank no you, response to that. No response. I, thought, <laughs> I was thinking Chad might have like, oh, yeah, what's happened in Virginia? And those West Virginians with their three teeth came in. No, no. Even though the bad sports teams, sports ball teams, there was always a lot of uh, school spirit. I mean, so you did like there was no social activities like drinking before these games, tailgating or whatever. What, in Minnesota? Like, yeah, it's like 12 degrees below. It's, oh, yeah. That. Well, they, they do it. I, what would happen is um, I, I don't think there's so much tailgating as there was like pre-drinking at the dorms. 
And then oh, you yeah. just have a shuttle take you across the Mississippi River and drop you off. Now, also keep in mind, I didn't drink until I was 21. Never dr- had a drink until I was 21. So I was 18 at the time, maybe. Yeah, still 18 at the time. So I didn't really like, oh, let's go. The only reason I went is because the girlfriend I had at the time, she wanted to go. I'm like, okay, we'll go. Uh, but I'm, yeah, there wasn't a lot of tailgating now that I think about it. Um, but then again, I, I've attended maybe five sporting events here, four of which have been the St. Paul Saints, which is the the minor league baseball team out here, which is way more fun. Those are fun. Yeah, I've been to one of them. Yeah. Anyone been up to uh, Wade Stadium up in Duluth to uh, watch a game? It was, it was built like in the uh, CCC era, so it's like a really cool old stadium that they they didn't do much to update it. So it has a really cool feel to it. No, I what the uh, what's the team name up there? Oh Christ, the Duluth Huskies, um, and they play in the North League. So actually, they play teams like the Madison Mallards, and you know, like the. Big Winnipeg, teams. whatever's and the Winnipeg, yeah, nut hammers and stuff like that. Um, but uh, it's a, it's a cool place, yeah, because they've done no maintenance on it since the 30s. I mean, literally, no, I it could be like a league of your own. Remember that movie with uh, what the hell was it, Tom Hanks? I try stuff? not to remember Gina Davis. <clears throat> so, the, yeah. the excitement of whether you might fall through your seat or not. Well, yeah, every every time there's a fall ball, and then it seemed like pigeons would get caught in the net like that was in front. Like, that was, I mean, I'm like, how the hell there's, like, four or five birds trying to, like, in, and nobody's responding to this at all. Like, every, you know, like, the, the grounds crew or whatever, I'm like, hey, this is, you know, not just, it's kind of distracting the game. Like, just it's, what's the deal here? But. Yeah, and then we were there once. There was it rained, it rained like an inch, and the whole damn field flooded. And then they took these squeegees. They had like a crew, and they're trying to squeegee the water off the field. I'm like, who in the hell? My hand. Yeah, I'm like, and then it would just come back because they'd squeegee it over to a hill, and then it would. I'm like, damn it, <laughs> damn it. There's, I could come down and help you guys. I could at least give a few tips, like squeegee it toward the part that goes downhill into the parking lot. <laughs> but you know, I'm not part of this operation, so I'm just going to sit up here and enjoy my butt light. I have learned when you see somebody making painful mistakes, you have that natural urge to help them, <clears throat> but then you're like, eh, I'm going to let them learn on their own a little bit first. I'm going to, I'm going to let them, I'm going to let them do that. And then maybe if they ask for my help, then I, but otherwise, no, I've learned to just watch and view it more as like, yeah, this is a show. The Lord has provided me with a show. As long as I don't get involved in it, like a movie, you know, I'll, I'll, I won't get too stressed out. Oh man. Um, <laughs> Well, thank you guys for joining. Um, for everyone listening, I gotta talk about. I gotta do the updates and explain what the hell is going on. Uh, I was originally intending on doing this on my old asshole consulting Aaron Clary channel, and then I got a uh, coveted strike against me for a video titled "Yes, Your Girlfriend Is Fucking Another Guy." Now, you would think the strike would have come out uh, because of cursing or vulgarity or because the picture was a hand-drawn, not porn. It was not porn. It was a hand-drawn, almost comical-looking comic book of two people fornicating. You thought that would have gotten the strike. The strike was uh, instead considered because uh, it was spam, which confused me. And so I was I was thinking, like, okay, the algorithm is whacked. It is not uh, – it is not a social. Everyone's like, "Oh, do social justice warrior get you?" It's like, no, no, wasn't that? It, I think it's good old Google's algorithm, which makes it even worse because if the algorithm farts, you know, what else is gonna be uh, get a strike against it? 
And I had done enough pre-planning and pre-marketing and all that to get the uh, second official episode of the Older Brother podcast scheduled for this day, Tuesday at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. And then the day before yesterday, I mean yesterday, uh, they decide to – and if you get one strike, you can't do live streaming. That's about the only thing that, that really happens. And so we had uh, rushed and created another channel. And many thanks to everybody listening out there, including many of you guys on the panel who uh, did the retweets and everything. We got over uh, 1,000 subscribers in under 24 hours, and the account was approved for live streaming. And so now – uh, we can actually do it and met the, uh, the, the time goal. And so I'm glad that you guys could make it. I want to thank everybody who, uh, who, uh, shared and spread the good word. Cause we're still live. Now we got, uh, Michael Kingswood. How are you? Are you there? Is anyone there? Did I lose everybody? Safety docs here. Okay. We're good. I'm here. Okay, good. He's old. Michael Kingswood is old. He's my age. Well, wait. I think everybody I'm here. older than you. Chess? Yeah, that's right. Wait. Ann's older than me. You're older. Everybody's real old. I think Mike might just be uh, average age. Chad's the young one. He just grew pubes yesterday. So he. Yeah. Yeah. That's why you get to make fun of me for my mistakes. Love it. Well, it they're they're make funnable. If we got T.J. Martinell in here, then we could pick on him. He'd be the baby of the group. But uh, uh, Mike, you there? Take a look. Make sure your mic isn't muted on the screen. It's got to be not only muted manually or analog, but it's also got to be not muted on the screen. He's only like a super engineer, formal naval commander. You know, he's he'll, he'll figure it out. So, uh, hang on, got somebody else on the twitters. Mike? Oh, never mind. Uh, Chad, uh, are things going well over in Chicagoland? Things are going well. Um, I've had a busy week work-wise, but yeah, how are things with you, Ann? Uh, pretty good. I was I was just going to say uh, the, the weather is a huge disappointment again, but that's kind of... Uh, I'm tired of bitching about that. How's the weather bad in Chicago? Ain't it nice down there? It's It's... It's been about 40 to 60 degrees the past three weeks. We're just waiting for it to actually get to be spring. Did you say that you had your air conditioning on earlier, Aaron? Yeah. No, it got humid up here. Ah, because we haven't had to do that here. (laughs) Well, too bad. No, it's it's like uh, it's almost 80, sunny, humid. So I went for a walk, enjoyed a cigar, my my pre-podcast cigar. Not that good of a cigar. I was fighting it the entire time. I don't know. None of you guys. I know Michael smokes cigars. Any of you guys smoke cigars? I did at that wedding. It was good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but then they throw you over into the. It's a bad enough you get a hangover with booze, but you add a cigar on top of it. Oh, it was totally worth it. Oh, okay. How were you the <laughs> next morning? I was great. I took a uh, certain someone that you know's suggestion and uh, downed about two bottles of water. And then uh, I was uh, good as gold. Good, good. Well, well, this cigar was horrible. I, I ended up, you go for a walk, part of enjoying the cigar. That's a drug. Oh, my God, Chad, I'm going to kill over there and kill you. <laughs> <laughs> you mute, mute the mics, turn off the phones. Um, it is. I wanted, had a cigar. 
part of it, if not all of it, is to enjoy the cigar, relax, and take it easy. And this is just this crappy cigar. I don't. I will even forgive taste for having a bad cigar. Uh, like it, it, I don't bad tobacco or just too harsh for me or whatever. Why I will not tolerate it was when I got to work at the thing and suck on it like a porn star to keep the damn thing lit. It was one of those things. I'm going to throw the other one out that I got and uh, not enjoyable at all. Not enjoyable. So then I came here. I was in a bad mood before I started the podcast because I had a bad cigar, but it's all right now because technology has gone without a hitch, except for Michael Kingswood, who's still trying to get on. Oh, he's not there. All right. Darn it. You know, he'll get on. He'll figure it out. He's a smart guy. Um, Shall we play older brother and uh, dispense advice and mock and ridicule the people younger than us? <laughs> that sounds fun. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Right. I, I, I was looking at the news, and it is so bad. Um, I actually have probably more articles to go over than we do have time. Uh, but I want to read this once it pulls up. From azcentral.com. Meet an Arizona Summit Law School graduate who failed the bar exam six times and keeps trying. Samuel Goldstein is determined to become an attorney. The 2013 graduate of Arizona Summit. This is five years ago now. He graduated five years ago at the prestigious Arizona Summit Law School, which I don't even know if it's still in business anymore. Uh, Has failed the bar exam six times, five times as his home state of California, which has one of the highest cut scores in the nation. He flew to Illinois in February to take the exam because he heard it was easier to pass there. He needed a score of 266 out of 400 to pass. He fell short with 239 points, he said. After a while, would you even consent to having your uh, story told on the internets? Yeah, why would you why would you want anyone to know about this? Like I, the, the the news outlet had to find out about this somehow, right? Like was it his parents that finally complained to them or did he go, "You know what? I failed the bar exam six times. Would you please write about me so that maybe somebody will give me a job as a lawyer?" He looks to be the type that does it. I don't know if you guys go to the website, you could look him up, Samuel Goldstein. Um, it's, it's like, dude, what? If you can't even take care of your body that much, what are you going to do trying to pass the law exam or the the, the bar? What? <laughs> um, thirty three years old. This year, the years long struggle has been draining for the thirty three year old. It's kind of like torturing yourself," said Goldstein, who has amassed two hundred eighty-five thousand in student loan debt. Oh, oh my <laughs> god! Yikes! Yeah, I. Yeah, I, you think it's gonna someday people are gonna wake up? They're gonna turn around like ah, the internet. You know, it kind of tells people what the mainstream media won't. This will certainly get out. They people will tell them about the. Hey, you know what? This. Let me ask you guys this. Let's say I said, I want you to buy something for $285,000. Do you think you might do a little bit of, you know, research before you bought this thing? Tiny bit. I check consumer reports, yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. You know, Amazon right. review. Right. Yeah. You know, you're going you're gonna to blow over a quarter billion dollars on stocks or investment. What's the dividend yield? What did it? No. And you got it. They all say, oh, you're picking on the millennials too much. You're really too – no. It, the picking on the millennials will continue until you shape up. 
until I stop seeing spectacularly stupid instances of, of you know, this is a guy with a grad degree. I think, wait, have you had all you guys got grad degrees? Yeah. And yeah. No, but I've gotten grad degrees for other people. Yeah. You think you'd be smart, but no, apparently not. Uh, Goldstein is an extreme example. No, he's not extreme. He's not extreme. He's, he's normal. He's standard. Goldstein is an extreme example of the predicament facing some Arizona summit graduates who struggle to pass the bar exam. The exam is offered twice a year in February and July and is necessary to become a practicing attorney in most states. Only 31% of Arizona summit graduates pass the Arizona bar exam on the first try, according to most recent results, and only 14% of repeat testers passed, or 11 out of 81 graduates taking the test in February. Hang on, let's take a look at this ranking. Wow. The, the other thing that blows my mind is that he's so focused on passing this test it hasn't occurred to him that if he can barely pass the test on his seventh or eighth try, maybe he's going to be a shitty lawyer. Yeah, I, but I don't I don't even think, look, this guy, a lot of these law students, they go into law because they got nothing else to do. Yeah, they really I mean, they got pretty poor employment prospects to begin with. Yeah. You uh, know, and they, oh, go ahead, Doc. You, know, like, you know, I work a lot with lawyers and uh, yeah. There's there's a lot of them. They're just not they're just not on their game. <laughs> I'll kind of be like, you know, maybe here's a different approach you want to take on this case, and they'll be like, oh yeah, we're going to refile. I'm like, I'm not the damn lawyer you are. <laughs> Christ. All right, here here we go. I'm just on the Wikipedia. Um, to see if oh it was, okay. I'm here we go. Here we go. This is just a Pell Grant sponge. I don't know if you get Pell Grants for law school, but on March 27, 2017, Arizona Summit was notified by the American Bar Association that the school had been placed on probation. The school was found to be out of compliance with ABA standards and rules of procedure for approval of law schools, as well as various sections of standard 501. Well, thank God the American Bar Association is, in, is on the case because it's only March 27th of 2017. They got to it finally last year because th- this law bubble had not been started beforehand. Uh... The ABA stated that the law school's admissions practices, academic program, and outcomes have resulted in the law school now being a position where only immediate and substantial action can bring about sufficient change to put the law school on a realistic path back to being in compliance with the time allowed by the standards and rules of procedures. Arizona Summit became the second inf- – oh, I heard about this, this Infi Law School. Um, it's like a franchise. They're all part of this Infi Law School uh, larger corporate entity. Uh, became the second Infi Law School to be placed on probation by the ABA. Charlotte law School of Law was placed on probation in November of 2016. I believe another one down in Florida. Wow, so you can get away with this for quite some time. Is anyone else thinking what I'm thinking? You think we should start a law school? Oh. <laughs> yes. Sturzinger School of Law. Sturzinger School of Law. <laughs> with a uh, uh, Civilian Conservation Corps era... <laughs> Stadium studies hosted by Dr. David Perodin. You know, the- Damn it, don't you know that this was built in 1933? How can't you know that? We can, uh, we can host like 3,500 people in the stadium. <laughs> I, oh, and if like you a charge- lecture hall, it's like that amphitheater down in Madison. Oh, yeah. And if you yeah. charge every one of them $250,000, holy shit. Well, no, there's, there's huge money. I mean, this is, look, it's, it's the liberal arts on steroids. 
because, all right, what do you do with your master's degree in sociology or, or, or whatever else have you? Uh, you go and you you go and get, you know, maybe, maybe if you're lucky, a master's degree in it, you become an adjunct. And I mean, what did you make as an adjunct, Anne? What, like, what, 10, 15, 20 dollars an hour? But probably less than that. Yeah, I mean, I made, I think, 17, and that was 10 years ago. Yeah. Hang on, I want to look something up. But if you go into law, oh, now it's law school. And law school has this pre-reputation that's going to be expensive. Oh, doctors and lawyers. That was, oh, doctors and lawyers, doctors and lawyers. Little do people realize lawyers have fallen off that prestigious pedestal, and now it's only doctors are the ones that are making the money. But then, yeah, you get some washed-up law graduates who graduate from the bumfuck you University of Law over at the strip mall uh, with the with the painted crayon sign saying, "Hey, Bob, School of Law." Charge three hundred a credit. So, at what point though? So this guy's what two eighty five in debt. So, at what point do you have to like just keep going to try to get out of debt versus like cut your losses and and then I don't know recover by being like a you know deep sea fisherman up in alaska or something you know where like one third of the crew dies or something i guess what do you where does it come to this point where all of a sudden like you have no options in front of you like you're so damn far in debt that the only way you can go is forward more in debt or am i just like crazy with this something tells me this guy isn't capable of doing that math yeah no he certainly wasn't able to do that but i think a lot of it has to do i mean you, you look at this guy and He's older for a millennial, but he's still, he still, he looks soft. And I'm betting parents kind of bail him out. Oh, you can live at home, honey. You can, you can <laughs> stay needs here. disaster fitness, damn it. Yeah. I damn mean, it. look, look at his picture. Not to, not to besmirch him anymore because his life is hell. But this is not a guy I want representing me, even in traffic court. Is yeah, this linked I, anywhere? Uh, I don't know. If you search, hang on. Let's, um. I'm all new to this. You know, Wait, the other part is this guy, after he, after he, you know, got hammered a couple of times on this, he could have hired somebody to, uh, you know, to tutor him. I mean, that would have been a smart move. Take five, ten thousand $10,000 on someone who's like aced it and just have them get you through the damn test. Well, I don't even know if it would have mattered because I found the Arizona Summit Law School down here in Phoenix, Arizona. It looks like it's downtown. And it looks like they just rented some office. No, and it doesn't look like they did rent some office space because the hell if Infi Law Schools owns this building, it looks like it's in kind of a, a nicer, newer building. So, and based on the ranking on the Wikipedia entry, no one, this is one of those tier four law schools that nobody hires from. Nobody. I mean, shoot, Chad, you went and got an MBA at a reputable, Notre Dame, reputable school. You still claim it's worthless. Well, I just think that a lot of it's it may not be completely worthless, but it's not nearly worth as much as everybody thought it would be or thinks it might be. So or paid for. Yeah. Yeah. I was just looking at this. So this guy, the Sam Goldstein guy, went to a school that only has a thirty four point four percent employment rate. God. Damn. (laughs) Damn. Yeah. He did not look at the Google, the Amazon reviews. 20.1% 20.1% bar pass rate, too. Ouch. And his picture is, wow. <laughs> yeah, that's tough. Yeah, not not to say that physical looks is everything, but, man, if you're three bills and you look like, I wasn't going to say the Pillsbury Doughboy, but a really fat, 
ugly Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. Are those stretch marks on his head? I thought oh. it was hair. I couldn't tell. <laughs> <laughs> looks like his head expanded. I need a high-resolution monitor. <laughs> wow. Oh, that's leftover hair that can't comb over, I guess. Oh, okay. It looks kind of red. I thought, wow, that's that's really rapid weight gain if you get stretch marks on the top of your head. Oh, hang on, guys. It, okay, this is this is reminding me. So I'm looking at this Arizona Summit Law School. Um, it reminds me of the school I used to teach at, which was just a, an outright rank uh, scam school. I, I I thought, oh, I get to teach economics. It'd be my passion. It'd be fun. And it, and then also I realized what we were there for was just to get the government government cheese. So it looks like it's part of like the summit schools in general. And there's a picture of all that's the business and legal skills for healthcare professionals certificate. Yeah, that's useless. Well, well, yeah, but how many, how many prefixes to a certificate legal and legal skills for healthcare professional certificate. Is, Is that just what you take after your first 10 malpractice suits? Oh, no, this isn't the law school. This is like the healthcare program they have. Guarantee you, if we all live down in Phoenix, if, you know, let's say we were all like, um, oh, John Steele. You know, we were uh, lazy. We were drinking Jack Daniels. We had no life going on, and we woke up at noon. Not too unlike me, but let's just say we were, we're John instead. And we watched our cartoons in the morning, and now it's starting to get into like the crappy, you know, the the View and Good Morning America. And the, what was it? Um, not Reese and Williams. Who was the Philbin? David Philbin? Michael Philbin? Regis? Regis. Regis, Regis Philbin. Yeah, Regis and Kathy Lee, those guys. And then you start to feel really bad about yourself because you haven't done anything and you're starting to get grown into the couch. Uh, then on com- uh, on, uh, comes on the, the commercial for, hey, does your life suck? And that's basically what it is. Uh, then, then why don't you get an exciting career at the Arizona Summit Law School? And I'm like, oh shit! What, what do I? You know, hey, you don't even need a degree, or you need a degree from some crappy uncertified school you got online. And then, hey, you too can become a lawyer. Mm. And then, then they flash some pictures of a, a a guy saying, "How dare you, sir!" in a in a in a court case. And they say, "Oh, I can do that. That's very exciting." And they watch a little Matlock that's conveniently on. Uh, that's the next show coming on. Boom. There you go. Summit Law School down in Arizona. <laughs> They're discussing this. We should put it on before Matlock. Yeah, buy the ad time before Matlock. What would it cost? Because, like, Chad, you can teach because you have a master's, right? Is that how it works? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what it – here's how it used to work. I used to be able to teach with just a bachelor's. You didn't need a master's degree, which is just as well because I wasn't teaching shit anyway. But – uh, you need a master's to be like adjunct and make your fifteen to twenty dollars an hour. Doc, I think you're the only one here to actually be a. a, a yeah, I could be a tenured professor. prof. Yeah, right. And right. kind of a different rank with a university. I've been with seventeen years, but yeah, that's not my full time, you know, job. But anyway, no. But if if everything anything ever went south for any of us, I think Anne's idea is right. We all just start some law school, <laughs> the Sturzinger uh, School of Law. Uh, she owns it. She'd be the dean because you don't need to have a doctorate for that. <laughs> I'd be admissions. I just let people in. Hey, you got money? Okay, come on in. And then I'll, be and then, I'll handle that one. <laughs> yeah, you say, hey, does the government give you money? Okay, give it to us now. 
Oh, I almost guarantee you the, t- the kids that, hey, let me ask you this. When you guys went to school, well, I took out loans, but I worked them off and put them in a CD that earned 6%. And you ever take out loans for school? Yeah, not not huge ones, though, because my school was reasonably priced. So it wasn't wasn't a, that big of a deal. Right. Plus, you went to school back in the 1930s, you know. That, this is true. Which was low, right. And Doc, you what? You went to Madison? I went to Madison, and uh, I I started out at a two-year college uh, close to where I lived. And my first semester, I think uh, you could take 20 credits, and it was 700 bucks. So I lived at home and just wow. drove over. Damn. Worked, worked at uh, – 20 re- credits, 700 bucks? I got the receipt, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and we had lockers, dude. We had lockers had in the lockers? college. It was, it was, yeah. We had a lock. It was no different than high school. It was actually very, very good. You got to um, take a picture of of that receipt. I've got the receipt. Oh, take a bucks. picture of it. We got to make a a me- Does it show the credits? Like seven hundred bucks for twenty credits? I'd have to look. And, I've I've got it though. I mean, um. So yeah, I did. I did cheap, and then um. Yeah, I worked. You know, thirty hours, and then went to school. So. I was I was doing that. Actually, you know, like from little on, kind of like you talked about CDs. People don't believe this, but we lived next to a concrete factory when I was 10. Well, when I was growing up, when I was 10 years old, my brother was older. He worked over there and got me a job. And I didn't even have like a, a permit. You know, you're supposed to get that permit, whatever the hell it is for kids to work. And they just paid me like in cash. Well, not in cash, but like just a check like that the owner right. wrote out. Uh-huh. So literally I'm like 10 years old stuffing insulation into concrete bricks and stuff like dangerous as hell. I didn't even have safety glasses (laughs) and stuff like that until I was like 14 down there. And I mean, it was all under the table type stuff, but, um, but yeah, I mean, taking CDs out, I took a CD out. I think it was like, you know, maybe 15, 16 years old. And it was a, it was a bank that was paying back then, you know, like 8%. And I wrote them a little letter. I'm like, I'd like to take a CD out. And I had to go to our local bank. The only place in town that had a photocopier, make a photocopy of my, um, uh, social security card send it with a check from my checking account mm. and they took and they sent back the cd i mean that's just how it worked back then but yeah i was saving up money i saved like everything everything that i had so you you gotta get get a picture of that and we gotta put it on the internet and that will immediately become a meme because every young kid who's paying what is it 250 a credit now yeah i'll have to cut out my social security number which of course they put up on every you know, thing that they did in college back then. Hey, here's your social security for your, I'm like, dude, dudes, dudes. No. I had a friend that did that on his checks. I still have one of them. Actually. I was so stupid. This is how stupid I was. Um, I, I thought like maybe $6,000 was a lot and I would go to the bank, make my deposit. And then they'd give me, um, your, your receipt and on the receipt, okay, here's the deposit amount, you know, dot matrix printing, and then your bank account number for reference. And to impress girls at, at, you know, clubs or whatever, I would, you know, all you got in your, this is before cell phones. You got to give the girl your number. The girl's going to give you her number. So you got to write it down. So you'd have some kind of piece of paper or whatever. I'm like, oh, I'm going to use these bank receipts and then she'll see how much money I have. And then she'll go out with me <laughs> realizing your fucking bank numbers on there. You idiot. Thankfully I never, Whatever it was embezzled from, but um, but it, it, I don't know what was more stupid, thinking that you know this was a good idea, or thinking that girls thought six thousand dollars was a lot of money. I thought, me, oh yeah, six thousand dollars. Girls, it was a lot of money back then, though. It was, but 
let's be honest, girls in their 20s are not gunning after a guy, even adjusted for inflation. That what? Okay, let's say that's 10,000 adjusting for inflation. Oh, big whoop, you got 10,000 in your in your checking account? Though I almost guarantee you back in the day, maybe it's gotten worse. I don't know. Anne could probably testify this because she was a girl at one time. Uh, that the the girls know darn well, you know, what is good money? Like, oh yeah, he better make six figures. Even at the age of 18, 19, 20. Well, actually, no one I knew had more than $200 to their name at any given time. So I guess I guess it's dependent on social milieu. Because uh, I, I would have thought $6,000 was, was, was uh, oh, are you some millionaire's son? Right, but you're... You're not exactly okay. No offense, but you weren't exactly hanging out with the engineering crowd either. I mean, you you were you were in the liberal arts and and you know just barely scraping by in college. I'm talking the party going girls. I don't think you would have ever ran into circles because you probably couldn't tolerate them. The hot chicks that we wanted to bang. That's the, those are the girls that we we're talking about. Really? Guarantee you, they knew that they knew what a brand new car was. They knew the latest BMW model. They they were not gunning for the college student uh, with his paltry $6,000. Yeah, I'm, gu- I'm guessing that's probably accurate. Vincent, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How is everyone else? Good, good. We got uh, Michael Kingswood on air. Mike, is your audio finally working or what? No, it's not. It's- <laughs> we're going to start a school, Vince. It's going to be a law school. That, why? Because we're going to make a lot of money. We got uh, a guy named something Goldstein who borrowed $285,000 to attend a tier four law school. <laughs> He's now trying to pass the bar exam six times. Oh, He's trying. I think, I think that can, well, you know what? It's gotta be, it's gotta be that he's, these people are so desperate. They have nothing else that they will, they will fork. I mean, what do you do? Let's say you graduate from college. You're already mm-hmm. 45, 50 grand in debt. And all of a sudden this option B comes along. No one's hiring you. I guess it's your only way to go. And they will sign away two hundred, two hundred fifty thousand dollars in debt. Excuse me. Yeah. It's, well, bless it. Um, yeah, it seems like they're on that track and they can't see any way out of it. So they're just going to run with it. Yeah. All right. Well, you'll be uh, you'll be in charge of marketing. Yeah, fantastic. I, I love the fact that your, that your name just says older. <laughs> yeah, I. But they wanted me to say, "Oh, put your name in here." And because many years ago, when I was trying to set up a YouTube account, mm-hmm. almost like maybe ten years ago, I don't know. It's been a while. Uh, oh no, this is taken. Oh, that's taken. And then I would there was some with the registration and login, and I had burnt through all of my emails. And what I think happened is. YouTube recorded them, says, oh, no, that's taken, but we won't approve that account. Oh, no, that's taken, it won't approve the account. So inevitably, I had to create a separate email that I've since never used. Uh, And now just to keep it a completely separate entity, what I've done is the name, my name is now older, last name, brother. (laughs) A completely separate email login and and password. And uh, it was a royal... Royal pain in the ass the past 24 hours getting this shit done. Seriously, the, the hoops you have to jump through. It reminded me of why, you know, it, it's um, it's a pain in the ass. It's like setting up a new bank account. 
Mm. But it's not it's not the worst thing ever. But it's just this is the last fucking shit you want to do the day before your live stream is supposed to go. Oh, you get a strike against you know you can't live stream. It's like fuck, and it was almost a challenge to like you know what I want to beat Google at its game. I wanna yeah. I want to get a, I want to get another account up and running with you know with enough subscribers to have it monetized with enough subscribers to have a, a tailored URL. You know, basically, so I'm only down. 24 hours or less and then i find out it's no longer based on subscriptions like to get monetized you have to have four thousand viewing hours uh you have to have an account for 30 days to have a tailored url but i still got the thousand subscribers and we still got this rolling and going but it's just i was pissed but the only thing the good news is that it it was a crisis it's like this emergency crisis and we made as much lemonade out of lemons as I could out of it. Like it's been the, the crisis had been averted and we still got this podcast out, but going through, you know, that's taken, this is taken, that's taken. Oh, okay. This one's okay. We're going to send you an email. We want your phone number. I'm like, I don't want to give you my phone number. And I, I, I texted him, but I'm like, Hey, can I give Google your phone number? He's <laughs> like, yeah. I'm like, cool sucker. And uh, <laughs> I said, what's the text say? It says uh, 53217. I'm like, that's the verification code. All right, now verify this. Would you like that? Do you want this? And then you would think with social media, who's got the audio on? Turn off the audio. Check one, check one. There we go. Anyway, you'd think YouTube or not YouTube. Facebook is a little bit tailorable. Uh, Twitter's a little bit tailorable. In terms of like, oh, I want this as my image, you know, or I want this as my background. Nine out of 10 times, you just right click and it gives you option with your settings. Oh, no, mm-hmm. not YouTube. I'm looking up videos, instructional videos on how to change my image profile. <laughs> Shit. Now, what, what, what's this thing with the strike against you? I don't know what happened. It, it was, yeah, I got a strike on the original channel and there's no real fallout or ramification except that I can't live stream. That's ah, it, and gotcha. which is which is more annoying. But I was really really looking forward to putting it together. And this wasn't an SJW strike. It wasn't uh, anything nefarious. I'm confidently sure that it was a um, their algorithm or computer or software found a video of mine and mm. said it was spam. And it obviously uh, it obviously wasn't. And uh, so I appealed it, but I'm not going to sit around and wait. Plus. This had to be done anyway. Anybody out there listening, I mean, anybody out there who's in social media or have a YouTube channel, I knew I'd have to get a backup channel anyway. And so it's like, all right, fine. We might as well do this. I've, I was intending to launch olderbrother.com and, and set up kind of a another line of business. And it's like, all right, I guess we're just going to have to do this early then. Yeah, yeah. I like the name. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I bought the domain two years ago. Oh, okay. Surprisingly cheap, only eighteen hundred dollars. Uh, yeah, which is cheap. That's well, cheap yeah. for something like older brother. Well, that's that's true. That's true. Yeah, podcast pastor. I bought for ten bucks. <laughs> How's that working out? Is that going you know, to work? It's like silver dollar bikini. These commoners and fools don't know how much genius it really is. <laughs> don't get me started about my podcast pa- uh, pastor ventures. I, I look. You guys, tell me, tell me if any one of you can disagree with me on the logic of this so far, right? Church or school or movies require an audience to sit there in a physical location, correct? Yeah. Right. This then requires an infrastructure like a building 
or a church or a movie theater, which costs money to build and maintain and heat and repair, correct? Yep. All right. And you can only reach as many people that fit in that wonderful coliseum where floods that Dr. David Perodin was telling us about over in Duluth, correct? Yes. Right. Mm. Okay. So now the internet comes along and now obsoletes it all. You don't need to go to a physical church to hear the word of the Lord. You don't need to go to school to listen about why you suck because you have white skin and a penis. <laughs> this it can all be done on the, and I'm like, okay, right. So I'm thinking whether it's school or uh, a movie theater or seminars or whatever, a church is exactly that. And if the goal is to get out the word of our Lord, then the internet is the best way to do that. Because if you're a good pastor, your message will go out very far and it's unlimited. Anyone in the, in the, in the world, as long as they have the internet, they can get it. But doesn't God require you to be technically with some people in the same room? There's a thing like fellowship um, and community. Having my dad as a pastor and growing up in the church. Yeah, there, there is fellowship. Um, but fuck that. Uh, frankly, (laughs) (laughs) no, the reason I say fuck it is because look, do you know what percentage of Christians actually follow the rules? And I'm not talking like the 10 commandments or, you know, thou shalt not murder, but like, Hey, don't have sex before marriage. Uh, who's got the thing on in the background? I'll hunt you down. What? That's me. I'm I'm cooking my dinner. Well, well turn. Don't you have I'll I'll mute. All right. All right. The larger point is there's 95% of the Christians are, are choosers. They're cafeterias. They're going to, I'm going to do this, but I'm not going to do that. I know JC said this, but I'm going to ignore that, but I'm going to choose that because I like that. He drinks the wine. Oh, but he hung out with the beggars. Oh, no. And so I'm thinking, well, you know, they may want to have fellowship. They may say, yeah, we should come here. And that's cool. That churches, physical churches will fill that role. But if you just want to tune into the sermon, and in an ironic sense, you'd be a better Christian because you actually want to hear the sermon, uh, and you're not so much about fellowship. You're like a hermit Christian. I thought like, oh, yeah, this would be good. Or what initially came to my mind is let's say you're stationed in Iraq or you're stuck at the nursing home and you physically can't go to a church. Hey, podcast pastor, why not? How, how about this? And so that the, the reasoning is sound. The business model is sound. All I want is half. I'm not greedy. I'm just like the Joker from Batman or Negan. I just want half, right? So they get that little tithing plate, all right? I cover all the technological stuff, and all I needed was one good pastor who could deliver a good sermon every Sunday, and that was it. Hmm. So do do people need to, like, have crackers and grape-flavored Kool-Aid at home to participate, or, or is that just a technicality, too? That would that would probably – I think you need a, a pastor or clergyman to officially administer that. I don't think you can just go grab some bread and wine. I think they have to bless it or something. Uh. Yeah. But see, how many – they don't even offer communion every weekend either. You know, sometimes really? they don't have communion. You know, that's – or the worst, see, now look, here's another thing. Everybody probably went to church or mosque or synagogue or whatever. What I hated the most, you go in, you sing the thing, oh, God, who things and stuff and died and da 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 So, all right, and then, then there's more scripture and 
the pastor reads and people read and the pastor reads and the people read. You never get to the sermon and you think you're out. Oh, no, no, we got to do more. Oh, Jesus, who did that stuff on the cross? Then there's more. Then there's the blessing. And then you think you're free unless unless some rat bastard decided to have a kid and get baptized. You're stuck there for another half an hour. Because they got to baptize the kid, they got a thing and the stuff like oh, there's baptisms, oh, and then and then then there would be I think maybe it was once a month they would do the the prayers, saying prayer, which I understand, say prayers for Bob because he's in the hospital and all. But as a little seven year old kid, you want to get out and play before the sun goes down. But you skip all that with podcast pastor. You know, it's just boom, sermon done. Tithe, Aaron makes 50%, goes a separate way. The word of the Lord is spread much more fi- faster and efficiently across the globe than through brick and mortar churches. I like it. I like it. Yeah, I, I think it's a great idea. I, Absolutely. I would go for it. Well, I'd, right. But I'd, I'd listen in. Well, right. And I've not to say that I'm a, a religious person, I'm not, but I've been flirting with you know religion once again. And um, I really like uh, J.C. Sproul. Um, not only because of his, his sermon, he's dead now. Uh, R.C. Sproul, sorry, R.C. Sproul. Uh, but he has the podcast one right after another. Download. You can binge on him if you want. And you'll learn more about Christianity on one road trip listening to you know podcasts and, and MP3s on, on religion than you will waiting for a week to go by 52 times a year. Maybe you make 35 of them. And the sermon itself is maybe at most 15 minutes. And usually not good. So I, it, it's maybe it's just the economist in me because I've talked to different pastors. I said, look, I got this idea. You got any interest. And pastors have a, a different mindset, neither good nor bad. It's just different. They're not looking at efficiency. They're not looking at profitability. They're certainly not capitalists. Uh, and, the, and then they got all these rules. Uh, you're like, oh, well, I don't know about that. You know, we, oh, that's kind of, we'd have to pay you and that'd be called simonry. It's like you're renting some great real estate from me on the internet. Just because I bought podcastpastor.com doesn't mean that this is simonry. I'm secular. You you buy a great piece of property over a physical piece of property so you get some traffic so people see your signs and they sign up. Oh, let's try this church. So don't tell me it's, you know, like that, how is that not simonry when you bought it from the farmer who was retiring and happens to be on the burgeoning edge of a suburb but it's it, it's a it's a solid idea it's just you can't get any pastors to to overcome or maybe view it from that technological and economically efficient standpoint hmm. maybe, maybe so, you need to get one of the cool young pastors that want to be called like pastor bob oh I, no because those guys are douches i <laughs> i went because I have, I, I know I'm cursing and swearing. I'm very harsh on Christianity, but for good reason. But um, I've been going to different churches uh, in the past couple of months, and I went to one of those New Age. The first thing that tipped me off was when they were guiding traffic because there were so many people going to it. Uh, yeah, there, and I was like, I don't want to go to a mega church. Didn't want to go to a mega church. I was looking. I'm like, where's the mega church? There's no place for this many people to go. And what you didn't see is down the hill is where the mega church was. So it's hidden away. And you're like, oh, crap. And so we walked in. And sure enough, uh, Madison McMillennial with his plaid shirt and his guitar, acoustic guitar hung over. He's wearing sandals with socks. 
Hey man, welcome to welcome to whatever the hell the church name was. I could remember it if it was. And he's got his thick rim glasses, you know, and and just he should have had a cup of mocha with him. And I want to welcome you all here. We're gonna sing and worship the Lord. And I'm like, oh, this seems like a lot of folksy art singing and pain and agony before we get to a sermon. And if we get to the sermon. It's going to be Tanner McSchmoboy here talking about feelings and emotion and not fire and brimstone. So, yeah, those are those are the ones. I don't want those. I don't want a millennial. I want an old, retired Vietnam vet who's lost a finger or something and uh, is angry. I would like him as, as podcast pastor. But platoon chaplain. A what? Platoon chaplain. Former yeah. platoon chaplain. Yeah, I got a I got a guy, a fan who actually is a chaplain in the military, and he's retiring. Hmm. And he he was stationed in um, Iraq, uh, and I'm like, hey, c- there you go. If you're looking for something to do during retirement, I'll even cut you a deal. I only take forty five percent. But he he did not. No, he's like, oh no, I want to retire, and da, da, da. so I'm kind of hoping maybe retirement doesn't bode well with him, and he he comes back, but. No, th- to answer your question there, Vince, it's gone horribly wrong. You you are correct to laugh and mock at me. Well, yeah, but you have like a ten dollar investment in it, right? I mean, for now, yeah. it's just a holding place. Oh so. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, this is it's, it's essentially buying like at ASU. You know, took two hundred eighty five thousand dollars. No, <laughs> no, this is just it's squatting basically. But I also had the idea. But there's a psychology and mindset among pastors. Like, there's no. I don't want to say it's anti-religious, but they lack the foresight for opportunity, not not opportunism, hmm. but the ability to look forward and have foresight. And maybe that's just what it is to, to think if you're a true independent thinker, you're going to have some real issues with all the religions. You're going to say, well, what about this? Prove this, prove that. So if you're a pastor, uh, you're very statistically likely to be more conformist and not independent thinking or looking beyond or looking what's out there. You're looking for guidance, answers, and conformity. Um, so maybe, maybe I'm just wrong. You know, it's a really hard fishing hole to fish in to find some kind of independent forward thinking grizzled old Vietnam vet pastor. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's just basically squatting is what I'm doing now. Any of you guys got like a fake chaplain degree from online? Maybe want to go. <laughs> uh, I was drunk at a party once and someone ordained me uh the uh, minister of the universal life church or some such shit. I like it. Uh, do you guys want to, you want to pick on some more uh, millennials? Sure. Okay. This is uh, sure, well, I'm right. in a bad mood. Why not? Yeah. Let's pray for Michael Kingswood. He hasn't been able to get logged in. Yet, so. Yeah. I keep seeing him coming on there. Uh, Lord, please. I, I please. feel bad for him. Let's, please. Let us say a prayer. For Michael Kingswood, who cannot be with us today, <laughs> he's stuck over in Philadelphia, where just hasn't been good luck for him. But through the word of God, he shall find out how to work his internet connections, his headphones, and his microphone. All right. Uh, New York man 30 is ordered to vacate parents' home after refusing to leave for months. And I... I couldn't, this came out, I think two days ago. And were you the one that sent this to me or was it somebody else? It was somebody else. 
Someone sent it to no, it was Erica Shanta Williams, of which you guys can watch her podcast. She sent this to me. And she want, asked me and Glendon Cameron if we thought it was real. I'm like, ah, this is fake news. This is fake news. There's no way. Well, sure enough, here it is on Fox News and all the other places. And I'm like, oh, it is real. A 30-year-old man was outraged Tuesday when a judge ordered him to vacate his parents' home. The order came after a months-long effort by the couple to get him to leave their New York residence. Michael Rotundo appeared in court for 30 minutes Tuesday after his parents, Christina and Mark Rotundo, filed a petition in the Supreme Court. Supreme Court. Because we didn't piss Holy away shit. enough. We didn't piss away enough of the taxpayers' resources on this one. We gotta go to the Supreme Court. Holy shit. <laughs> of New York State claiming they've had enough of their son living under the roof, Syracuse reported. Uh, State Supreme Court Judge Donald Greenwood tells 30-year-old Michael Rotundo that he must leave his parents' uh, Camillus home. State Supreme Court Justice Donald Greenwood praised the son for doing his legal research and citing a common law requirement that required family members to give a six-month notice before eviction. However, Greenwood called it a simple internet search and said the six-month demand was outrageous. Michael, in turn, called the eviction order outrageous. He continued to slam the judge's order outside the courtroom, the report stated. Hey, somebody try and look up this Michael Rotundo guy. Let's see what he looks like. It's, he, uh, I, I found a photo of him already. He kind of looks like Jesus, like the 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 I haven't cut my hair in six years look with the beard and the facial hair and the little round John Lennon glasses. Okay, now now I want to look it up myself. Hang on. I go, wow, first. Oh wow, look at him! Holy shit! <laughs> he is. He's got the glasses and the hair. Yeah, he probably bought, borrowed from his father. <laughs> his dad doesn't know he's wearing it until he walks yeah. through the courtroom. I'm like, fuck, that's my suit. The eviction <laughs> drama. is even wearing my suit. Damn it. The eviction Damn drama it. began on February 2nd when the parents left their first note saying Michael had two weeks to vacate his room at the family's Camellia's home. Michael, after a decision with your mother, we have decided you must leave this house immediately. You have 14 days to vacate. How spineless are the freaking parents on this one? They left him a note, like in a, in a fortune cookie. He's like, "Hey, Grace, this is an awesome. Whoa, what? The fuck? I'm evicted." Did your old man just say, "Hey, get the hell out of the house"? Man, I, they left him a note. I wish I could be a fly on the wall for the events building up to this. Holy shit! Well, I I don't know about you guys, but I kind of you kind of knew your parents wanted you out. You know, like you could, you could, okay, you're 18, but you still got to go to your senior semester, the second half of, and okay, right. you could stick around till summer, but by God, when school starts, you're, you're going to get out kid. And you had that look, I could see that, you know, from my parents, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, they want me out of here. I better <laughs> just leave quietly and, and go battle it out on my own. <laughs> hey, John, you there? Yeah, I am. How am I coming in? Okay. Coming in. Great. Uh, you stayed at home till you were 30, right? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, uh, yeah, no, I, my, my uh, I, I, the reason, the way I knew that, um, you know, my mom wanted me out was uh, uh, she sublet my room. So um, <laughs> that, that would have kind of solved this, this problem here, you know, wouldn't have been so dramatic, just rented out to somebody else. Like, you know, that's what my mom did. So, well, you split, you split, your, you left at 18, right? Even younger, I believe. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I went away to school for a year, and uh, 
then when I came back, my 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 uh, my mother left. Uh, my mo- my mother moved out, and I got to keep the rent control apartment in New York, which was good. And then I got a roommate. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, so that that was a good. Th- you know, she left, and I kept the apartment. Okay. All right. I don't even know if it's necessarily that they they don't mind paying. Maybe or like, eh, hey, we'll help you out, but. Yeah, I I know if I had kids after two decades, I want them out of the house. Like, yeah, I want to start banging your mother again regularly. Now get the fuck out. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hey, guys, finally on here. This seems to work now. Hey, Mr. Kingswood of Michael Kingswood fame. How are you? Oh, I'm freaking annoyed. uh, I I use Brave for everything. Apparently, Brave doesn't work for Google Hangouts, and it took me 20 minutes to figure it out, so I had to pull up a different browser. I use, pulled up Safari. I don't use don't use Chrome because screw Google. But uh, yeah, so hey, good to see everybody. Good to have you here. Welcome. You uh, you stayed at home till thirty, right? Who me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no man. I graduated high school, <laughs> went away to Boston for school, and never came back. <sighs> All right, uh, fourteen. They wrote him a very nice note. Uh, we will take whatever actions are necessary to enforce this decision, except raising your kid right. Michael appeared to take the threat lightly. The Rotondos tried again with another strongly worded note, which always worked in a Team America World Police. That's how that's how they beat Kim Jong-un, <laughs> strongly worded note, saying, Michael Joseph Rotondo. Oh, they used his middle name. <laughs> they used it. They, you know your parents were serious when they used your middle name. Michael Joseph Rotondo, you are hereby evicted from the home effective immediately. Any action you take that can be construed as threatening or harassing us or prevents our or obstructs our ability to use the house or property as we see fit will result in your immediate removal from the premises, the mother wrote. Michael had 30 days to vacate as recommended by the couple's lawyer. Man, they got a lawyer in on this. The mother warned legal enforcement procedure will be instituted immediately if he wasn't out of the house by March 15th, the full note released by Syracuse.com stated. The couple decided to add an incentive and penned a third note five days later saying they were graciously giving them 11. Ah, see, they bailed them out then again. They bailed them out. Your folks ever give you like an extra thousand bucks when you were 30? An extra thousand? Yeah, like, hey, here's a thousand dollars to do what we want you to do. (laughs) Here's a thousand dollars to get the fuck away from us. It's more like here's a thousand dollars for something pay me back and I did. Yeah. But that's a different thing altogether, right? Well, I mean, I would get kind of like, well, we want to, we want to like slowly pass on our estate, uh, you know. So here's a thousand, or here's a couple, you know. We don't want the taxes to get you and everything like that. So that, oh, that yeah. I, there is, there is, yeah, you know about that, right? There is, uh, you can gift your children uh, a certain amount of money to avoid taxes or something like that a year, or something like that, right? I wish we had a CPA on who might know yeah. something about yeah. that. Yeah. Well, he's probably out on a date right now. Chad no, will do guys, that. sorry. There's, I've got some work popped up. What was the question? <laughs> You're in demand all over the place, aren't you, Chad? Yeah, okay. from everybody. What is the gifting? Fourteen thousand. Uh, uh, it's four, fourteen thousand per individual. But if you're married, you can do a twenty-eight thousand one from the husband and wife. Okay. All right. So that's. Uh, hang on. Oops. There we go. Aaron, it's twenty-eight thousand, right? Uh, twenty-eight thousand for yeah, a couple. You want to pass right. it on to your to your kids. This, this um, doesn't sound like a tax dodge, though. It just sounds like they were just desperate to get rid of the little bastard. 
So you said right. they gave him eleven grand? Is that what they gave him? As eleven hundred. Okay. Yeah, I would. I I've known parents because I run into um, in my consulting, not always public, because they don't want their family stuff yet. But there's been more than one instance where it's just the parents. They don't want a parent, and they they kick the can down the road. They kick the can down the road. Dad didn't have no balls, and then all of a sudden you got a twenty five year old living in your. You're like, hey, you're gonna you're gonna finally stand up and kick them out, and they just did. And then they try to bribe them, like, oh, we'll pay for community college. Oh, we'll pay for this program. We'll pay for that. You raised a lazy piece of shit who doesn't want to leave. And so it's more like like a. You know, like, oh, we'll give you this, we'll bribe you that. It's not like, oh, here's a gift, you know, because we're trying to save money on taxes and we're going to die. We'd rather have you have it without the tax. It's basically paying for poor parenting later on that they failed to do in the past. Right. I mean, don't most people want to get out of their parents' house? I did. I mean, I was out when I was 17. I was out the minute I could leave. Like, and, and... just just to get not necessarily because you hate your parents but because you want to get on with your life and do something mm-hmm. like my parents now love me. it's great when you when you leave you know you kind of like know that you're like oh yeah they want me out of the house and then then you're are you ever gonna come and visit it's like yes i won <laughs> yeah they want to see me again it's like no i'm busy and i don't have money yeah Give i'm much hundred dollars i'm much more popular now that i'm gone yeah, me and Chad were saying the same thing after you left after dinner that one time. We're like, we like Ann better when she's gone. <laughs> <laughs> I wish she'd come uh, back now. I'm, I'm having like fond memories. I do remember. I, I do remember. Uh, you know, when I had my own place, my mother. Uh, she still lived in New York City when when uh, uh, when I did, and the I remember I loving Sundays because I used to go down to her place and she used to cook me uh, cook meals for me on Sunday, and she was like nicer to me ever when we lived apart than we ever were when we lived together. It was amazing. Yeah. Why am I picturing like this TV show, New York mom, you know, like John, John, when you're coming home to visit your mother and you come back, Oh, here you go, John. And you're like, you got your bib on, even though you're full grown 28 year old. This is like just tons of East coast homemade food. And do you want some more applesauce, John? <laughs> There's a little bit of truth to that. Just instead of that voice, just try to do it with an Irish brogue. And that would be my mother, you know, just making food and just keep feeding me. And, you know, wait, was she directly from Ireland? Yeah. So it's more kind of, oh, John, do you want more some potatoes there? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> a like very that, yeah. burly woman. A very burly, masculine <laughs> woman. How does, a, how does a female Irish, I, I don't know, it's all too guttural. It's too ugly an accent to have with a, with a lady, I think. Yeah, it's, it's kind of hard to do. I can't, really, I can't really do a female version of, of an Irish brogue, but, you know. Uh, you know, so oh, but Jesus, Mary and Joseph, what the fuck are you doing? You know, <laughs> wait, she was cursing at you? No, well, she, well, she did every once in a while, but uh, that's a separate story. But um, I can't, I can't, I can't really do the the. My point is, I can't really do an Irish brogue with a woman's voice. It's 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 kind of it's kind of hard to do. It takes too much work. But you 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 can kind of imagine a little bit of it. Yeah, I can. I could do a good French accent. I could speak French fluently. And aren't you fluent in French? Yeah. Yeah. It's just all you got to do is talk like you're, you're drooling 
and he got a stroke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he, just, he just told us to all go fuck ourselves. Yeah, so. exactly. Whoa. Very fluent. Watched a lot of World War movies, uh, World War II movies. Uh, all right. As the March 15th deadline approached, it seemed like Michael wasn't budging. The couple wrote another note on March 5th, claiming there had been no indication there's some with the- See, they just kicked the can, kicked the can. The note adds, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I might have already read this. The note adds, be aware that we will take any appropriate actions necessary to make sure you leave the house as demanded. Yet the deadline passed and Mike was still living at his parents' home. I'll put a new Rottweiler in his bed. That would be- <laughs> in the last note before the court filing, the Rotundos addressed an issue with Michael's car that was reportedly still sitting at the parents' driveway. The couple initially went to the town's court in April to evict their son, but was told they could only remove a family member from their home through ejectment proceeding. Oh, this is this is what I was wondering. I was wondering if somebody in New York knew what the legal uh he he, he wouldn't have gone to court if there wasn't some bleeping law saying, Oh no, you can't kick out your son. Michael said in court on Tuesday his parents didn't support him when it came to food and laundry, only with a place to live. Well that's because you're grown up, man. <laughs> Hello. But to think you're entitled to laundry? <laughs> well, well, well. By that, does he mean they let him use the washer and dryer, or was it "Mommy, do my clothes"? They got the laundry so locked up in a cabinet. Okay, but what about food? See, obviously, he's expecting like you should support me with food. Laundry, I could see. Like, okay, you're denied. You they like say they put the quarter thing. Yeah, we'll get our son. We'll get our four hundred one k retirement money off our son in quarters, and so they put that on the the <laughs> washer and dryer. And he's like, oh, they they won't let me do the laundry. <laughs> okay, you're inconvenienced, but then food was he expecting like a cafeteria plan? <laughs> he said he believed the judge didn't fully read the case and vowed to appeal the decision. Oh my god, this guy's a tick. He's not going to go anywhere. <laughs> Parents' lawyers said the couple was hoping for a court order that the sheriff's deputies could enforce. No specific move-out date was provided in court on Tuesday. However, the parents' lawyers said it would be a reasonable enough time for Michael to move out. <laughs> They're finally going to legally evict him from his parents' house, and he's just going to show up in the court like, with his sleeping bag. I think it got he's a picture move of into the courtroom. Oh, he's got a nice car. They all got nicer cars than me. Just looking at the picture. It looks like he's got a Honda Accord. The judge will go home. He'll be sitting on his couch. <laughs> okay. I moved into your house now. How you doing? Hey, judge. Oh, all right. Well, we've been going for about an hour now. Anybody got anything of interest or note? Anything anybody wants to chat about? Calm down. Everyone calm the fuck down, right? Well, I don't know, man. Have you watched Cobra Kai yet? No, I haven't gotten to that yet. I, Dude, I know you said you to. It's freaking awesome. 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 I Yeah, that's what people were saying. I've, I've heard nothing, nothing but good things about it and awesome things about it. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny you just said that. I'm shocked that that was allowed to be made. I think it's amazing. I love that. Yeah. Cobra Kai. I tell you, I was reluctant because of the whole YouTube Red thing and paying for another subscription service and all that kind of thing. And, but it sucked me in after the first two episodes. And I, and I was like, and some people said, yeah, just get it. And then cancel your subscription after a month because you ate a free month trial. But it seems to me that that's kind of 
cheese ball and uh, scammy. But also, I was actually thinking about it today. And uh, you guys ever, you guys knew Boogie Two Nine Eight Eight? He's a uh, gamer YouTube guy. He's a uh, nicest guy in the world. B- big dude. Uh, long story with him. Anyway, but uh, he he went to this YouTube uh, creators summit thing in New York. And he had this little what I learned out of it thing, and and he was just talking about all their uh, the balance that YouTube's trying to walk between advertisers and the cust- and uh, the people who are creating stuff and the viewers, and everybody wants a little different thing, so they're trying to trying to juggle and figure out what the best balance is. And I got to thinking, it's like you know something like this red thing. You know, some of this uh, demonization and censorship that's happening is no doubt political just because, you know, but I I think a lot of it is probably not. It's more like just fear of losing revenue in general. And something like this subscription thing can maybe buffer that. So maybe it's, so maybe I'm going to keep, keep it up for a while. Plus a few more bucks so they can uh, continue to make, if they continue to make good stuff like Cobra Kai, I don't see a problem. I'm down. I'm there. Well, right. I, I mean, I don't know if I mean that that would be great if they they do, but I I got a feeling that uh, there's going to be ne- another season, I think, to Cobra Kai, and I got a feeling that the pause is going to slowly creep into it. So um, that's the way these things are, because anything like this, I'm sure uh, it, it's offending people left and right. Well, you also have yeah, to have but it's also one. but it's also making people say hell yeah left and right. So. Yeah, well, so is Roseanne, but apparently they watered that down too. Well, he, he, I mean, he had great lines in the in Cobra Kai, like when he looks at the one kid and he's like, "Jesus Christ, just looking at you makes me feel like a virgin again." <laughs> <laughs> well, my, yeah, my whole favorite arc in that whole thing was was the guy going from lip to hawk. That that was my personal. Oh yeah. Now, now, Aaron, Aaron, you're not going to know what the hell we're talking about here. But uh, well, I got the I got the general idea. He basically uh, he starts up his dojo again and helps train up the nerds and the the loser kids and turns them into he calls them what cobras basically once they start kicking ass. Yeah, but he's merciless and ragging on them. And uh, and there's this one part where uh, he's going through and they're all flinching because they're all afraid of him. He's like, "What are you guys flinching for? How many of you guys? How many of you guys have taken a hit? Who's been punched in the face?" And the only people to raise their hands are his first student and the girl student, he's like, son of a bitch, everybody line up. Hey, he <laughs> yell, punch everybody in the face. And he goes back into his office to have a beer while the, the other students are punching each other in the face. So they won't <laughs> flinch anymore. <laughs> All right. I'll get on it. I'll get on it. It's just, uh, I ran into a bunch of other crap that I had to do, but I suppose I should let myself have some fun every once in a while. Yeah, no, that that's I, I I recommend that. Just I I don't know if you if you watched the if you ever saw the original movie like the the, the nineteen eighty four Karate Kid movie, but if you saw that, it's 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 really funny to juxtapose the two of them. I actually rewatched it just because uh, because of Cobra Kai. I actually rewatched the original movie just to see how amazingly different it was, and it was it was just it was like a, it's like a parallel universe almost watching it. Well, it's 34 years into the future, right? I mean, it, that is a parallel universe. Yeah, by that time. It, but was yeah. Will Smith's kid in kind of a remake of the Karate Kid like eight years ago or something? Yeah, but that should have been the Kung Fu Kid because it was in China. But oh, yeah. Yeah, also, didn't, didn't Will Smith's kid decide that he was gender non binary or something like that? Oh, crazy. It was weird. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, that 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 movie sucked and didn't take off. And I think Will Smith's kid is. I, I think they, they they were one of those parents uh, uh, that didn't like believe in sending their kid to school. They just would naturally learn. To, I don't know, whatever. I mean, something that billionaire parents do with their kids. God knows. Yeah, that always turns out great. Yeah, I mean, the future axe murderer right there. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> You know what? I'd like to have a billion dollars to find out. Well, no, that require having a kid in a tow. I mean, maybe, maybe not. I've got a couple to spare if you want to borrow one. No, no. Do you got a billion dollars? I'll do the billion dollars part and see how that affects my lifestyle. And then you let me know how it turns out with the kids. Nah, uh, I think I'd rather, actually rather keep the kids. Kids are cool, though. I they are. That. Yeah. I'll tell you, speaking of punching in the face, I, uh, so I've got my heavy bag in the garage, and I've got my gloves, and we've got some smaller gloves from my boys. And uh, my oldest likes to go and wail on it. In fact, the, the the second, the two the two middle boys, they are starting to get the sparring together. But the other day, uh, Vasily, my oldest, he comes up and he's like, "Hey, let's have a friend, a family friend fight." He's like, "All right, so we're gonna spar." So he and I are going and going, and I'm just playing tag. But he comes forward to right as I just throw a light jab, and I. Actually, I guess we actually punched him in the, in the nose, <laughs> and he started crying. And I was like, "Oh man, sorry, I didn't mean to do that. We should put gloves on." He's like, "Yeah, we should." It's like, "Wait, you didn't I'm do not, it with gloves?" No, nah, we're just screwing around. And then he's oh. like, "I'm like, man, I'm sorry, I didn't do that." And he's like, "Okay." He's like, "Hey, you know how I told you you should never trust a man who's never been punched in the face?" He's like, "Yeah." He's like, "Well, now you're trustworthy." He's like, cool. <laughs> how old? You and then, then then we put gloves on and had more fun, and it was great. And, you got a you got a couple good hits on me. He's nine. Oh, what you see with? Even a buck. <laughs> well, yeah, but he's big. He's a big nine year old. But um, yeah, that was probably a bad call not to have gloves on to begin with. But I was just kind of wasn't doing. Yeah, I was wasn't thinking it was anything serious. I was just playing tag, and then he moved at the wrong time. And oops. Oh, that happens. I'm sure. Yeah, your dad's all probably accidentally dropped you or something. Especially Chad. Uh. And- is he still working? I'm here. Okay, cool. That's a, slinging arrows your direction. <laughs> I'll take them. Cool. All right. Well, unless there's anything else, we'll call that a wrap uh, because I have to go and get some dinner. Uh, anything else? Food. Sounds like somebody's flushing the toilet. I guess we're done. <laughs> cool. <laughs> all right. Well, let's plug all of our stuff. And where can people find you? Uh, at, on Amazon.com, I have an author page, but I'm mostly pushing my book Disaster Fitness on this channel because it's it's, it's about uh, how to how to get yourself to work out with no pain, even if your life is a disaster. Outstanding. You may also have like a website, AnnStersinger.com, perhaps. Yeah. Ah, okay. A but, convenient uh, place that people could all go to and remember, maybe. And- yeah, but it's a lot harder to spell than Amazon. <laughs> Or just remember disaster fitness, I guess that would be. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you, if you can actually spell my name, feel free to go to my website, anstersinger.com. It's spelled phonetically. Pretty much, but you'd be surprised. I've had people, like, over the phone taking my information, argue with me about whether or not there's a Z in my name. Like, no, there can't be a Z in your name. Yeah, there's, there's a Z in my name. Hmm. Chad, do you do anything that might be of worth or value to people in society? 
no, just talk on this podcast, offer my thoughts, you know. Um, no, you can go to elkincpa.com if you want to get my info. But frankly, I don't have any room to take anybody else. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. You are single, though? Yeah. Okay. So if any good-looking girls want to go your direction or and any good-looking boys want to go your direction, they can go ahead and hit you guys up. No, okay, you're both gay. All right, fine. <laughs> We're both thinking, is this going to open the floodgates for crazy? Yeah, it will. Yeah, yeah it will. <laughs> Dr. Perotti, you are married, so you cannot be, uh, uh, you're spoken for. Uh, but why don't you tell us about you? And we, we got to do a podcast one of these days, just you and me, because you have a very unique background. Yeah, yeah. Well, you can find me at uh, safetyphd.com. Oh, and cool. uh, safetyphd.com. Uh, I do a lot of stuff, consulting with uh, companies, uh, really about uh, different safety type stuff. But um, probably the most interesting is uh, doing a lot of expert witness work uh, around the country, like wrongful death and stuff like that. So working with lawyers, helping them frame out their cases, putting it together, the expert witness report. So I actually have a case uh, I, I got done on Halloween, um, literally like three minutes before I had to take my kids out trick-or-treating. And uh, 17,000 pages of deposition at a review. So I've got it all stored down in my house. But uh, yeah, the other attorney um, kind of pulled a fast one. So literally, I'm, I'm dressing in a fucking Batman suit, like typing in front of a thing. Appropriate. Here's like four pages that were just discovered. So I'm like, whatever the hell. And then I just like sent it off. But uh, the case did settle out of court. I've always, I've, I've, I've been really good at that. So, um, so anyway, safety pitch. And guess what? Anne is going to be a guest on the Safety Doc podcast, podcast number 69. Yay! Says Wayne and Garth. But um, yeah, yeah. so I'm looking forward. <laughs> and I'm thankful. And uh, so got that lined up. But um, yeah, thanks. And uh, enjoying it here, Aaron, in southern Wisconsin. You bailed. I'm holding out the fort. You know, 44 degrees a couple of nights ago, running with a fucking winter hat on and gloves. So, yeah. <laughs> well, you're basically, you're essentially, well, the reason I have you on and I recommend your podcast, we'll, we'll delve into it later, but you basically are the foremost authority on safety in the country. I, you know, I got contacted after the uh, Santa Fe shooting by, so I actually have like an agent that I kind of work with. And then I got contacted through him. And he said, uh, Chicago, what the fuck was it? New York Daily was trying to get a hold of me. So he's like, can we put New York, New York Daily? So, for, I mean, I do, I do get called in on a lot of that stuff and kind of working with, you know, some things with law enforcement and national FBI, sheriff's departments, things like that. So it's, it's just, it's kind of gotten that way. Um, and as you said, like, I got I to gotta get out there and get some books out on some of the stuff because, I mean, I just know it. I just know the stuff inside and out. Well, it's, that's the problem. I mean, you're, that's, none of us are losers and we're all too darn busy with our other stuff. They're like, you know, to write a book is an in-depth. Well, plus you got kids. I mean, you're, you got to deal with those kids too, I suppose. They might want to see their dad every once in a while. Yeah. Dad's going to be taking them to the alpaca farm in South Dakota. So yay for dad on that <laughs> one. Wait, wait, wait. Where's the alpaca farm? It's by goddamn Mount Rushmore. They found it on a map somewhere. There's an alpaca farm. I there thought is. I knew the Black Hills like the back of my hand. There is. Yeah. You yeah. I'm so excited about it, man. No. <laughs> yeah. And then we end up buying, my wife buys these balls. These They're not actually alpaca testicles. They're like just, 
it's like a softball made of alpaca fur. And then you, you put this in the laundry and apparently it makes the clothes turn out, but then there's all the stringy hair shit all over it. So it's like, I don't know. So Dude, gonna, I'm sure they're going to sell that stuff. And we're going to awesome. deal. With I would love to hang out with your family. They got, ah, where's the alpaca balls? Dad. I'm like, Oh, this is great. Oh, oh God damn it. It is. No, it's not. I'm picking that stuff. People are like, what's on your shirt here? Like, Holy shit. It wraps around and around the neck and over here. And I'm like, God. Okay, Judd Steele. I know uh, in between slaying women and, and jet setting in your international Playboy lifestyle, what do you got going on? Uh, yeah, well, you could check me out on Twitter at uh, John underscore Steele 99. That's probably the, the quickest way to find me. I also have a YouTube channel, uh, which you've been on, Cappy. I have. Are you doing regular podcasts now on that thing or no? Um, uh, I, I think I'm going to get back into it uh, now that uh, you know the the bugs kind of bitten me to to do it more, creates more content, and and basically the the theme of my channel is just interviewing, like I do, um, well, like I did with you. So I kind of like to have people on and kind of give them the floor, and I just ask questions, you know, like Anne's been on and you've been on, things like that, and I like it mm-hmm. that kind of format, interviewing people. Um, so yeah. And have you had when's the, when's the last time? What's the most recent video you have up? Like a week You're ago? You're the most recent ago? one I have. Uh, oh, I am. Okay, yeah. I was wondering if I had to tune in again. So, all right, Michael Kingswood, you don't do anything, right? No, I just hang out. Cool. Uh, no, um, you can find me over at michaelkingswood.com. I'm. Uh, I think I like your moniker of that. I'm the only non-communist sci-fi writer. I like that. But I like um. Uh, what seven novels and if you look on me on Amazon, you got uh, almost forty titles out there total. Wow. Um, uh, seven novels, a lot of shorter stuff, and I'm always working on new stuff. Uh, I got a weekly podcast slash YouTube thing called Storytime with Michael Kingswood, where I go and read excerpts from my stuff. And I also have, uh, although I took some time off from that this week to sing Cobra Kai's praises, so that's <laughs> good because it it needed to be to be to be said um got audiobooks everything and but uh, yeah, so if anyone wants to check out cool books you can find me on all the various ebook stores amazon whatever but i would rather that you go to my store at ssmstorytelling.com because that's my business and i make 90 to 95 percent because i get paid through paypal or stripe or or crypt- with cryptocurrency and you don't and amazon doesn't take their 30 to 70 percent cut so that's my might have to get on. Oh, and then we lost Vincent. Vincent, oh, he's going to be right. Now he takes off, right? He's the last one we had to introduce. Hey, just just a question. So mm-hmm. are people able to see our our photos underneath? Like, or can we yeah. not see those? Okay. Yeah, no, underneath, underneath um, only we can see the photos underneath. We well, can... Maybe not. Maybe not. But when you speak, like, your photo will go up into the center. Okay. So just, that's what just, people... All right. Just to make this clear, like... So one of my sponsors was ISS twenty four seven, but it looks like it's ISIS in the background. So <laughs> just to make it completely clear, like the way that it cropped. Yeah, I'm not affiliated with ISIS in any way. You don't fly out to Iraq and nope, do safety nope, and like how to fire nope. a rocket launcher. No, but I'm looking at it right now. I'm like, holy shit, that's a horrible. I gotta change that picture out the way this is cropped. And this, I, is I don't think anyone mistook you for a member of ISIS. I think you're all right. I think. Um, I think you'll be okay. You won't get any hate mail, and the the feds won't be knocking at your door anytime soon. Yeah, I hope not. I'm yeah, I'm changing that out though after the show because it's it's absolutely ridiculous. All right, hang on. You know what? I hate doing this. Let me look up Vince's stuff so I can plug him for himself because he was kind enough uh, 
and get his. Oh, darn it. How many Vincent LaRosas are there? Good Lord. Hey, let me try Vincent LaRosa. LaRosa or LaRusso? No, it's LaRosa. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> he didn't get the joke, LaRusso. Uh, it's something with the L.A. Dodgers and the sports ball and the swingy stick. Okay, here we go. Uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ, Darren. What? The swingy stick? It's Karate Kid, man. It's the cra- it's yeah. LaRosa. It's Tony LaRusso. LaRusso oh, Tony LaRusso. Oh, sick. What? Daniel. Whatever. Aaron grew up in a time of no sports. Aaron... Aaron didn't have a radio until he was 14. Aaron is completely unaware of, of many things. I'm sorry, boombox. Tape player is what I should say. We did have radios. All right, here is Vincent LaRosa. You can find him on Amazon.com. has nothing to do with the L.A. Dodgers. Uh, his book is called Tesla and Malone's Lightning's Call, book one, part of a series. And um, let me get to his Amazon page. Oh, that was it. Okay, yeah, he's got that one book out. So, um, and then is he coming back? No, he's he's gone. So, all right, that's it, guys. Thanks for having you uh, for being on. Uh, we'll do this uh, next week, same bad time, same bad channel, six p.m. Central Standard Time. Uh, you guys all, of course, all have standing advice, but don't feel compelled because I know you guys have jobs and careers and kids. Okay, thanks, Aaron. Thank right. you very much, Aaron. All right, take care, guys. <laughs>